As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you everyone for your continued support. So what can one expect during a cesarean birth? That's a question we get a lot, especially from moms who have never you know, there's always this question in your mind, what would that look like? Yeah. Um, we want to assure you right now that there is absolutely a good way to do a cesarean birth. And then there are some things that could happen that (laughs) might not make you so happy. So we're going to include in the show notes, our gentle cesarean plan for all of our podcast listeners. Um, it's absolutely within the birth course as well. We have an entire section within the birth course that goes over all things cesarean, but we're going to give you a quick overview and we'll want to make sure to include that That way, you don't have to think about it so much. And that's how we talk about it in the birth space as well. If the plan is put together for you, then you can read over it and know that these are the things that are important to me, but then I don't have to dwell on if or if not, I'm going to have a cesarean You can release yourself from the worry of what what would it be like if it went down because we've already prepared that for you. By putting together a gentle cesarean birth plan, that frees your mind space from having to think or worry about that too much. And there really are so many things you can do to really make it um, a special family-centered event. Yeah. And right now we're just going to go over the main things. Then I want to jump into the gentle cesarean. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience and why I'm so adamant (laughs) about having a good cesarean birth plan. So you have to know that if you're going to have a cesarean birth, it starts with an epidural. You don't want to be feeling what's going on below, uh, down below. So you'll have, along with an epidural, comes a urinary catheter. So this is something that we talk to moms about, just if they're going to have an epidural anyways, realize that there's other things that are involved with that. Um, you can't control your own bladder, <laughs> and so they're going to shove a tube up and collect your pee-pee. Yes. Thank you. That was the perfect description. Yeah, right? <laughs> 
Along with that um, is some possible shaking and nausea. And that comes from the anesthesia because having an epidural for um, the birth versus having an epidural for a cesarean, they use a lot more anesthesia for the cesarean birth. And I'll tell you from my experience that um, my arms were strapped down. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I was shaking a lot. And my, my mouth was clenched, which I didn't like. So mm-hmm. I did ask. Um, not everybody has these reactions, but it can be a pretty common reaction to anesthesia. So I actually asked for some gauze to be put in the back of my mouth so that I could clamp down on that because I was afraid of cracking my teeth. It was was (laughs) clenching so bad. Wow. They're likely to give you some oxygen during this time. They want to make sure that you're getting nice O2 levels going because that benefits baby as well. And so you might have an oxygen mask placed over you for for support with that. Like Stephanie mentioned, your arms may be restrained. We're going to talk about what you can do during a gentle cesarean and requests you can make in that regard. They're going to limit who can be with you in the OR. So your partner can come in, but it's usually after they've gotten you situated and your partner's all gowned up and they can come and sit by your by your head and things like that. Um, if you're transferring from maybe a home birth or birth center, um, your midwife is often permitted to come in as well. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, a cesarean might be a good way to get rid of your family. <laughs> oh my gosh, Stephanie. Is that terrible? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the family. They're not going to bring in all 10 people to the, to the surgery true. room. So. Okay. So if you, last resort, ladies. <laughs> if you. Not really. If you really can't get your mother-in-law out of the room to schedule. Just tell them that they're calling a cesarean, even if you're not. Okay. Um, you're welcome. doulas keep in mind are not typically permitted in the birth room although here in utah we certainly had some luck being Mm -hmm. allowed or knowing people that have been allowed in the birth room so that's one of those consumer requests that i think if we keep making that request then more often than not it will happen same thing with um birth photographers and videographers of course some have been permitted and it's really at the discretion of your provider right Um, Keep in mind, it'll be a bright room, typically, and there will be several people there that may or may not be respecting your space, and that's where that gentle birth plan will come in. Um, But on top of that, quiet music and respectful conversation is certainly something that we can request. Absolutely. They don't need need to be talking about their tea time while they're... (laughs) Helping you birth your baby. The procedure itself typically takes between 20 and 30 minutes. It varies, obviously, depending on what you have going on. Um, Oftentimes, um, your partner is able to hold baby skin to skin. And so we talk about the importance of having that immediate skin to skin contact. We'll talk to you in the gentle cesarean how that can still be with you, but if that's not really an option, then certainly your partner can hold baby skin to skin. Right. Um, And that's so important for a lot of the psychological bonding and development for baby. You will be given pain medication, um, certainly for after the procedure. It's abdominal surgery, so um, it'll likely be in the form of a narcotic. They'll also include some Tylenol and ibuprofen. I'm going to tell you mamas right now to take the medication and to not feel bad about it. You have to recover and feel well before you can take care of your family, including your baby. And what about breastfeeding? I know a lot of women are going to wonder about that. Can you breastfeed and take those at the same time? And the answer is yes. Um, all of it, and we, I'm not going to get into too crazy details on that, but all of it is considered safe for breastfeeding. So don't feel bad about it. Take the medication and breastfeed your baby. Obviously, recovery is going to be slower than if you had had a vaginal birth, and that's expected. That's normal. And so be gentle with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Really um, don't be afraid to ask for help. In fact, be humble enough to let people know how they can help and serve you during this time. Um, and remember that you might need some extra support postpartum. There are 
such things as postpartum doulas. Their specialty is caring for mom and baby in the family postpartum, and so that might be an option you'll want to look into. If that's not an option in your area, um, call on your community, your church, your friends, your family. Now let's get into what a gentle cesarean looks like. One of the things I think it's important to remember is that if you were hoping for a vaginal birth and you are now having a cesarean birth, that doesn't mean your whole birth plan goes out the window. Right. There are so many things you can still have happen that were on your birth plan. For example, you can have music of your choice playing. It's totally possible. You can request to have your birth playlist, whatever you prepared, be the music that you hear in the OR. Like we mentioned, you can um, ask that there be respectful conversation. Um, Stephanie mentioned how her arms were strapped down um, in part for shaking, but sometimes this is just a practice in certain hospitals. But you can request to have um, your arms free and unrestrained so that when your baby is born, they're able to come to your chest. Maybe you can put a hand there. Yeah, all IVs, um, straps, etc. you can have those all on your non-dominant arm. That might help just with comfort and being able to move the other arm. Um, having the doctor explain the birth as it's happening because just because the baby is being born in a different way doesn't mean that it's still not part of your birth that you would like to envision and um, experience. Don't you imagine like when you're preparing for a vaginal birth, I always envision people saying, I can see baby's head, right? Right. They can still do that. Like, oh my gosh, his little bum's coming first. Like have them describe what's happening to you. Yeah. And in a joyful manner that would like, it it makes such a big difference for how you look back at that birth. Yeah. Um, And then you can also ask that the, your body birth your baby with contractions. Yes, you will still have contractions during a cesarean birth. And there are some wonderful videos online. Um, But you can see that once mom is open, her contractions are still helping to push that baby. And the baby doesn't need to be pulled from the mom's uterus. It can still be birthed with contractions. I love this next one. You can request to have the drape. So normally, you know, they've got a drape hang in between, um, you know, the upper half of mom and your lower half while they're operating. You can request to have that drape lowered so that you can see your baby be born. You can see your baby coming out of your tummy. They also now I've noticed have some doctors have clear drapes that allow for that as well. I think, you know, and it really depends on your preference here. That might sound totally awesome to you or you might go, "Eh, I'd rather not. I maybe you feel a little squeamish about those things. It's fine. It's totally your preference, but know that that's an option and a request that you can make. Yeah. And here's some things that happen after the birth. Um, You can have your partner announce the sex of the baby instead of the doctor saying something, just like (laughs) you were having a vaginal birth. Um, Delayed cord clamping. That is still a thing. There's no reason that they need to cut that cord early because of a cesarean birth. There's nothing, a cesarean versus VBAC that allows... um, Unless baby was maybe in distress. Yeah, aside from emergencies, you can still have that. Um, And then also your partner can cut the cord as well. Mm Mm-hmm. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth 
birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Like we mentioned, you can have immediate skin-to-skin contact with your baby. Now, you might need a nurse or your partner to help hold baby onto your chest for you, especially if you've only got one arm free or whatever, but you can have that immediate skin-to-skin contact with your baby if if everything's healthy and looking good for the both of you. Um, All newborn testing and exams can be done on your chest. They can listen to baby's heart rate and assess APGAR scores and all kinds of things while baby is still on your chest. You can have the opportunity to breastfeed right then and there in the OR. I am always so touched when I see um, birth photos of nurses that are help getting baby latched for mom. Bless you, bless you, labor and delivery nurses for doing that. That is amazing and it helps with oxytocin for mom to help with um, your uterus to shrink and clamp down. It's helpful for all kinds of things. Stimulate breastfeeding helps baby too. Your baby can stay with you and or your partner at all times. You can request for that to to be done. You can also request for pictures to be taken and whether that's the birth staff or a photographer or your partner, you can request somebody to take pictures for you in there. Before we get into the emotions that can go along with a cesarean birth, I want to talk to you a little bit about my experience um, and why some of these became so important. So the reason that at the top is the music of my choice playing and respectful conversation is that is for me one of the things that I remembered more than anything else. I was already scared. I had been up for 36 hours um, trying to birth my baby, you know, unsuccessfully. I went in wanting to have an unmedicated birth. I ended up with um, an epidural, which wasn't the end of the world. But then to hear that now baby was in distress because they weren't handling the Pitocin and now we're moving into a cesarean. So when you're tired and you've had dim lights, just for starters, and you're moved into an area that is very bright lights, people are hustling and bustling, there's movement. It wasn't an emergency in the sense that it needed to happen now. It wasn't scary like that for me. Um, but it was scary in the sense that this was not my plan. I didn't, and I didn't know mm-hmm. to expect this. I didn't, it just wasn't something I'd ever even considered. It was my very first baby. And then I come into the OR and my doctor is talking with the anesthesiologist about the last time they had lunch and how that was really fun and they should do that again, all the while getting things hooked up. And I just, and, and there was weird music playing in the background that was, it was like country or something that I wouldn't have personally chosen for my own playlist. And I just remember thinking like everything in me wanted to scream out and say like, does anybody care that I'm birthing my very first baby right now? That's all I felt was this like deep hurt of like nobody even is acknowledging that I'm here. And so um, I realized afterwards that had I have had these few conversations prior with my provider, had I have known to have had them, and if I would have requested these things, if I would have said, okay, I understand that that a cesarean is what we're planning on now. The, these are some things that if I could get a couple of these on my list, I think it would really make me feel good. I think if I could have been in a place to say that or prepared to say that, that those couple of things really would have made the difference for how I felt about that. When my baby was born, I remember looking at him and just the chaos of that moment thinking, I don't know you. I felt no connection to my baby. This is not everybody's experience, but this was my experience. I didn't feel connection to my baby. I didn't want him on me. I, it, all of it just felt very foreign and weird. Um, and it, it, it was thanks to an incredible labor and delivery nurse. After I was all sewn up and I moved into that recovery room and my husband had my baby and um, had our baby, <laughs> 
that's my baby. <laughs> um, he had our baby, and she was like, well, let's put him skin to skin. The babies really like that. They just love it, and I'll just help him hold here. And I was shaking so bad, and I'm like, no, like, I'm afraid I'm going to shake him off of me. She put him skin to skin. She just did all those right things. Well, let's let's try and nurse. Let's just nuzzle him right here, and they really like that. And so she was just wonderful. And Aww. had I not had that recovery team, I mean, that could have gone much worse for me, I believe. And so I, looking back, I just know, I know if I ever have a cesarean birth again, which I might, you never really know. Yeah. There's some things that I can do to make this a really wonderful experience instead of scary and feeling like I was alone. And with that, (laughs) let's get on to some emotions that you might feel um, with a cesarean birth. And Courtney, you kind of touched on it because you said, you know, a lot of times we don't plan for this, right? That one out of three, the majority of us aren't saying, Yes, please. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's likely going to be me. You always think it's going to be the person next to you. Right, right. right. And so I want you to understand that there's a whole gamut of emotions that you can experience. I hope that the emotions that you experience aren't at the cause of somebody's not being thoughtful, kind of like in your case with your provider. But um, you might feel relief. You may have come through 48 hours of hard, nonstop contractions that really weren't getting you anywhere or whatever. And well, there's things you can do to get birth <laughs> progressing, but that's not the time or place, right? We can talk about stalls and how to resolve them another time. But you might feel incredible relief. I am just so happy that I finally get to meet my baby yeah. or that this is done. Like I've come yeah. to the end of this journey. I don't even care right now. Like I'm just ready to be done. Um, you might more commonly feel a bit defeated or a bit disappointed in, in the outcome, especially if you weren't even thinking or entertaining that that was a possibility. Right. And that, I, that, that was me. Cause I'm like, I wanted my unmedicated birth. I was like, boom, nope, you can't have it. And here's yeah. a cesarean. <laughs> and we talk a lot about setting your mindset up, mindset up for positive expectations. And that is so important. But we also talk a lot about how there's, you know, what do you do with all the different paths that your birth can take and mm-hmm. um, the different possibilities that it can throw at you just because something is a possibility doesn't mean you can't be prepared for it. Right. Or have a say in it, mm-hmm. which is where the, the real power comes. You know, having a say in each part of your experience, even when the last say is, okay, yes, I believe a, a cesarean birth is the right thing for me. Having a say with all of those interventions or whatever happens on the way really gives power to mom. Um, you might be scared or anxious or uneasy, sad, done, right? All of those are kinds of emotions that can come up during that time. Just remember, and especially kind of a message to the partners, it is okay for her to cry. And it's okay for her to be happy. There is such a huge range of emotions. And really what she's going to need, especially in the weeks following birth and maybe even months following birth, is to be able to talk through that and sort of emotionally process how she's feeling about it. And she might not need very much of that at all, hopefully. Right. (laughs) But that's normal. But make, make sure that you do talk to her about it, certainly. And make sure that moms, you are talking about it. You want to share your birth story because just like we talk about in birth, how a lot of the things in our minds, if we get them out of there, good or bad, we can see the reality of them before us. And so if we're holding on to a lot of this pain and hurt and anguish, maybe from a cesarean birth, and I start talking about it, that right there, that helped me a lot with my recovery. I just need to tell somebody how I'm feeling. And then it became that I wasn't feeling so much that way anymore and that I could see like what to do next, what my next step was. Yeah, I would just, and this is maybe just me having felt really sensitive to a lot of the stories. Think about, be mindful of who you're sharing your story with and the purpose in which you're sharing it. So if you're just talking, you just found out that your next door neighbor is pregnant, it's her first baby, and you want to tell her all about what happened with your birth and how horrible it was, what's your motivation behind doing that, and is it helpful? Yeah, and we've talked about this, though, that like if 
you're feeling the need to do that when somebody like you just have to be able to share that story it's likely because you need to process it so mm -hmm. go talk with the right person along with that we talked about partners for a second here um side note for partners here's something that they can do now it's likely the partner's not listening to this podcast so moms here's what you're going to tell your partner to do um during a cesarean you want them to be close it makes a lot of sense for that partner to be really close, to be having a hand on you, to be holding you, to give you comforting um, verbal confirmations that everything's going fine and I'm so excited to meet this baby and keeping your eyes on the partner. Make sure that they've got their eyes on you. My husband was so curious about the surgery. Um, he just wanted to like pull that drape down and go around and look and I was like, I don't know if he could hear through my death stare, but I was like, I swear if you're looking at that instead of me, this is not gonna end well. Like stay focused on me. Um, and just make sure that you're whispering those kind and loving words. So we want to give you a quick overview of what the recovery from a cesarean looks like. I would say plan on about six weeks for a full recovery. Um, keep in mind, like Stephanie said, it is major abdominal surgery. And you are going to spend at least 72 hours or more in the hospital. That's just a requirement for insurance purposes and all kinds of things. Um, they're going to give you pain medication. Take it. <laughs> you're going to be grateful you did. Um, it's better to get kind of a handle on that and stay ahead of the pain. Um, you need to keep in mind that using your abdominal muscles is likely going to be uncomfortable. And so you want to have something that's going to support your abdomen, particularly near your incision. And so um, they should provide you with kind of like a supportive bind there in the hospital. But there's a lot of different options for helping with binding when you get home. Breastfeeding is easiest done using the football hold. Um, and if you need to, you can Google what that looks like. Football hold, breastfeeding position, or the lying back positions. But the typical cross cradle that you see new moms do, that might not feel so good for you, and that's okay. Some physical support that you might need help with is to be able to sit up to nurse. I know for myself, I needed help sitting up during the night, just even a little bit up um, to be able to nurse my baby. Getting in and out of bed, help around the house with basic chores. Remember, you've had surgery and you have a newborn, so be gracious with yourself and take the help. And then the partner should be more attentive to your needs. So just be aware that they will have to be a little more um, in tune with what you need. And lastly, like we said, emotionally, you're going to want to have somebody you can talk to again and again to help you just process what's going on. You're going to need somebody who can sit and listen and give you lots of TLC. And moms, remember, we're just going to repeat this one more time. Be gentle with yourselves. Um, make sure that you take the pain medication as needed and maintain good nutrition and try to get enough rest. And that is better said than done. We get it. It's yes. hard. <laughs> but just remember that um, being gentle with yourself is good for you and for your baby. And mamas, remember, a cesarean birth does not mean you'll be unable to have a vaginal birth next time. We want to leave you with hope. As you know, Stephanie has had a VVAC herself. And we know many, many women personally and professionally who have had a cesarean or even multiple cesareans who have gone on to have successful, wonderful, magical vaginal births. So you've got this. As I was editing this entire cesarean birth episode, first of all, the second half of us, the one that you just listened to is very tired. <laughs> so hang in there. We're adding to it right now. In case you notice a jump in energy and a weird audio that we put together, that's why. But we realized after all of this that we didn't include the portion about how to avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth, which is the top reason that we really wanted to talk to you guys about these things, eventually making our way to the VBAC or vaginal birth after cesarean portion. 
So we're going to give you some of the most important tips, some of the most important things that you can do in order to avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth. So let us make it very clear that we want you to have all the information so that when a cesarean, if a cesarean does become necessary, that you're able to look back and know that you did everything possible in order to make it um, not end up in a way that would be not good for you. And then in that instance, you would be one of those percentages that it was necessary and it becomes exactly. a good thing at that point. I hope that's a therapeutic and a healing thought for you, that if you did the things that we're going to talk about right now, the ways you can um, avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth, that if you end up needing one, if that becomes necessary, you can just look back and say, you know what, I was one of the five to 10% in this situation that needed it and I'm grateful for it and look back hopefully with gratitude for your experience and, and a love and appreciation for yourself and of what you were willing to do to help bring your baby here safely. Totally. I feel like a lot of the um, negativity that we feel surrounding cesareans often comes from the fact that it is not necessary. Like we're able to look back on those births and say, it shouldn't have happened like that. Women get mad because they're like, oh, it didn't need to go down like that. And yeah. <laughs> so I think when you hear people talk about it, that's why they get so passionate about not having one. But what they're really trying to say is not having one that didn't need to happen. Totally. So. Uh, you could not have put that more perfect. Well, thank you. Okay. So set it up. So the first way and probably the most important way, in my opinion, that you can prepare to avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth is through preparation. You need to be prepared. And hand in hand with that is you need to be knowledgeable. Whether you've had a cesarean birth before or maybe this is you've never had one before and you're trying to make sure you don't have one, you have to be knowledgeable about ways to avoid those things. So for an example, you need to be knowledgeable about how to avoid an induction. You need to know if your body is even going to respond well to an induction. You need to be aware of how to go about choosing a birth team that's not going to lead you into unnecessary cesarean birth situations. You That means finding the right provider, finding the right birthplace. Um, you need to know how to get your baby in a great position for birth. You need to know how to... <laughs> we have, <clears throat> we have an, uh, a downloadable PDF. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> the three free exercises. We'll link to it below, but just know you can head to myessentialbirth.com. And it's right there on that main page. You can sign up, get the three free exercises. Um, and that has everything to do with getting your baby in a good position for birth. Along with that is staying low risk. So if you know how to stay low risk with your diet, with your exercise, with everything that you need to do to remain as much as you can, as much as it's in your control to remain low risk, that's absolutely important because um, staying low risk gives you more options. And the options include things like not having to induce early because you've created a situation um, maybe unknowingly, that can cause more risk for a cesarean birth. How to keep a birth going? That means augmentation. So once labor's begun, stalls are natural. We talk about it all the time. We talk about the three places they happen most often. Yes. And what to do about it when that happens. Yeah. And if, but if you don't know how to do that, you know, and you don't have your birth team set up and just all these things in order, then it might not turn out the way that you're hoping it would. Exactly. You need to get knowledgeable and educated about how different interventions and particularly medications that are commonly offered during birth, how those can affect your baby and yourself. Because if you're unprepared for what an epidural can do to your birth and to your baby, then you might put yourself in a position where you're having a cesarean birth 
because of that. Yeah. So specifically, if you know that you can, um, because you've had the education, if you know that the later in your active stage of labor that you receive an epidural, and we like to say just for fun, because truthfully, centimeters dilation does not matter, but after six centimeters with really strong, consistent, long contractions, if you can wait to get there with an epidural, you are much more likely to have a vaginal birth than a cesarean birth. And as opposed to a mom who maybe gets right to the hospital, gets the epidural right away, maybe she's only two centimeters dilated, contractions aren't into a strong pattern yet, and and that's going to put her and her baby potentially in a situation that they're at a much higher risk for a cesarean birth. And to go along with that, you absolutely have to know how you can handle contractions for that long (laughs) because some of those are going to be a little less comfortable. And even if you know, you know you want the epidural, and we totally cheerlead you if that is your decision and that's what you want. But if we can get you a little bit farther so that you have your very best birth, and if that looks like to you not having an unnecessary cesarean, you're going to need some tools in order to be able to, to handle that. Contractions. Exactly. Absolutely. I always tell moms, I'm like, hey, listen, you're going to probably experience contractions, whether you plan on the medication. Like you were saying, whether you're planning yeah. on medication or not, you're going to experience labor to some degree. You'll want to be prepared to know how to handle it. I feel like that's a big heads up because how many mamas that plan to get an epidural are told about the contractions portion of it? Oh, you're just planning for an epidural? Okay, great. We don't even talk about contractions. We don't talk about how to yeah, help your body through that. that. Yeah. I don't, it was never brought up with my first baby, and I wanted to go naturally for Pete's sake, but... No, yeah, once they talk epidural, nobody, the doctor doesn't say to you ever, just so you're aware, <laughs> you're going to feel these contractions for the first several hours, you know? Yeah. Nobody tells you that. We're telling you that. So just be aware. You're going to want to know how to properly calculate your due date. And um, that's going to help you avoid an induction. And again, induction scenarios sometimes are more likely to lead to an unnecessary cesarean birth. Right. And we kind of scream this from the mountaintop about due dates because. The thing is, they calculate it at the beginning of your pregnancy, they go off of your last missed period, and then it's likely that you have an early, most of the time they're doing early sonograms now, and then you'll have another one, though, at 20 weeks when you're checking the gender, and then maybe you'll have another, right? 32 weeks. And the thing about this is, is every single one of those can, doctors choose to change dates sometimes, and that's, it's not accurate, it's not evidence-based, and they can be off by pounds, give or take, which can mean taking a baby too soon that can end up in a NICU situation. That's not always the case, but keep in mind that these this isn't a perfect science, but we very clearly lay out the evidence behind why, um, what the best science behind it is, so that you're having the best possible scenario placed in front of you. Exactly. And then another final thing in regard to preparation and knowledge is you need to know, like Stephanie was saying, truth, meaning um, evidence-based Facts, facts, science, right? Versus opinion or common procedure, Mm -hmm. right? This is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we do it. Well, it might not be evidence-based, and that might lend to an unfavorable birth experience for you. Yeah, and some of it is very much preference, which leads us into the, we're going to talk about the top three that we see. Um, I think kind of moving on from that. So just know, like, we didn't even list all of the things that can go you behind. You need to be knowledgeable. All you have, yes, you absolutely have to prepare. It is so silly to me. I cannot relate to women that do not have a desire to know. And it's okay. I don't, I, there's no judgment there by any means, but I can't relate to that. I have to know what's going on with my body. Like, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, it was like, okay, how big is my baby? What are they doing in there? What do they look like? Like, I needed to know all the things. And so if you relate to that, 
you gotta get knowledgeable. This is a weird analogy, but my husband and I really like to travel, and we recognize that there's some places in the world that we're maybe only gonna visit once, right? So we've talked about going to New Zealand. It just fascinates me. Hey, no snakes, right? So minus the volcano. Did you see that? Oh well, okay. <laughs> but they have no snakes. I think there's we're no snakes where there's volcanoes for sure. Yes. Anyway. The amount of care and attention we put into planning that trip, watch, you know, Food Network and Travel Channel to try and figure out the best places to eat and things to do. And because why? Because it's a once in a lifetime experience. I like that. And um, the idea is that how many times are you going to have babies, right? You might, hey, you might have five, six, seven kids. Great on you. Way to go. But you might only have one or two. And this is kind of a once in a lifetime experience and you want to prepare for it. Dang it. Yeah. But, and, and let us encourage you too. like, we love to be this voice for you ladies, like just telling you you're doing the right things. Because let me tell you right now, if you are listening to this podcast right now, you're preparing. This is part of it. This yeah. is part of your knowledge right here, right now. So good on you. Pat yourself on the back. Um, all right. Another one, how to avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth is your provider. You guys, this is so freaking important. Okay, I know I said knowledge and preparation are important. It goes with this. It goes with this, right? Because it was one of the things I listened. Mm -hmm. But you need to choose a provider that doesn't have a high unnecessary rate of cesarean births. <laughs> That's or just a high cesarean rate at all, unless they're right. a high-risk doctor, you know, I would allow a that to go up a little bit. Right. Ask them about their induction rate. How often are they approaching moms at 34 weeks saying, hey, let's schedule your induction because they all doctors sound like this. <laughs> let's, let's schedule your induction for 39 weeks. Heck no. Yeah. Heck no. That is, they don't have enough information at 34 weeks to be, let's just put it on the books just in case. No. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking about this today. Like, I feel like I want to just stand in a room of moms and I want to say, hey, moms, everybody in here who has just looked at their insurance, looked online and looked for their insurance to whatever doctors were the closest within the mileage, right? That mileage ratio. Five Don't want to drive more than 10. Okay. Nope. How many of you have done that and been like, mm, I like that name and gone to that provider and then never questioned being able to switch me. I'm totally 110% guilty of this. And I totally dropped the ball with that. Yeah. You can change providers. It's like grocery shopping or any other kind of shopping. Like yeah. you're the consumer. They're what you're purchasing, except what is what you're purchasing in this case is just this very intimate, close relationship that you're going to have in the most vulnerable part of your life. I'm going to say, um, sure, find people within a 10, 20 mile radius if that's your preference. But then go and read Google reviews. Yeah, people leave them about doctors. Yeah, and ask then, on Facebook groups. Yeah, ask talk friends. to friends. And if they have like crazy birth stories, maybe don't go with their doctor, right? Well, and you, their intuition is so huge. And even if you don't think you have it, like me, I totally didn't believe that I had this mother's intuition. You need to trust what your gut is telling you when you're meeting with these providers. I think people call it a different, I, for example, you might not have thought that you had mother's intuition, but you totally get when you're gelling with someone, right? Like yes, diving, totally. It's kind of the same thing. Yes, totally. And so I would say, like, if there are some things that are important to you for your birth, those are the questions that you bring in. Mm -hmm. And then you see what the response is. Were you shrugged off? Were you made to feel stupid or, or inadequate or rushed? Or like it didn't matter? Or like they were going to do what they wanted to anyways? Or were they saying things like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Were they making we'll a try excuses for themselves? Yes. Pay attention because these are the things like nothing is holding you there and they're not going to go cry and call after you if you decide to see another doctor. Like 
this is what they do day in and day out. You need to find somebody that you absolutely love and want in your birth space. Another thing, you're voting with your dollar. We hear this concept yeah. a lot, right? When you take your business to a provider that is supportive of the kind of birth you want to have, you are voting with your dollar. You're telling your insurance companies, you're telling everybody that this is the kind of experience I want to have. Put the doctors who are treating women disrespectfully and like crap and like their birth doesn't really matter a whole lot. Let them not have a lot of business, right? When you choose a provider that is supportive completely of you and ready and excited to work with you, you're paving the way for other women who are going to follow. That's Boom. my soapbox. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, let me grab your something. <laughs> hey, the other one is your due date. And we've talked about this. So I'm not going to go into it too much and we can do an entire episode about this, but calculating your due date accurately, basically like what we talked about, you don't want somebody that's going to be moving your due date due to size or any other reasons, quite honestly, maybe because you're getting close to that 40 weeks. You don't want a doctor that is comfortable moving around due dates. We'll tell you right now that the most accurate way, evidence-based, to calculate a due date, obviously, if you don't know your um, ovulation date, your conception days, if you aren't very specific with those things, calculating your due date accurately comes from an ultrasound between 11 and 13 weeks. That is the most yeah. accurate. Moving it after those weeks is not safe and it's not evidence-based. Yeah. I would say even if you knew your last missed period date, um, your cycle might not have been exactly 28 days or nine days or you may have ovulated earlier. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, yeah, what evidence has shown is that an ultrasound between 11 and 14 weeks is the most accurate way to tell. All right. Our last tip for you is about inductions. Now we've mentioned this a couple of times, but please, we need to hit this point home. If you want to avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth, you need to avoid an unnecessary induction. If you have a doctor or provider coming to you when you're like 34 weeks saying, Hey, uh, let's schedule your your induction at 39, you know, just in case, uh, run for the hills, get yourself a different <laughs> provider. Well, due dates go along with that, just like we talked about, because if they change your due date and all of a sudden it looks like you're 41 weeks, 42 weeks, and they start talking induction when really you're only 39 or 40 weeks, mm -hmm. then we've got a problem. So that's the way to, to keep that at bay as well. Holidays are not a great reason to induce birth. Neither are weekends or personal vacations, either for yourself mm -hmm. or the provider. Um, you're even going to want to avoid them even when you're just sick and tired of being pregnant. I get it. We all reach that point. Totally. I think it's by divine design where you're like, I am so willing to go through anything <laughs> yeah. if it means this baby is out of me. But really, if your goal is to avoid an unnecessary cesarean birth, you're going to wait until, you know, babies ready to come. And keep in mind that um, the most common times for cesarean births are like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? The majority of them are not happening at 2 a.m. when things look like we really tried everything that we could and now it's time. Mm -hmm. These are happening during business hours, Monday through Friday. There's a reason for that. So just keep that in the back of your mind when, when you're trying to calculate everything and put all the information together. All right, so to sum it up, our tips for avoiding an unnecessary cesarean birth, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared with knowledge on all kinds of subjects. You need to pick the right provider in the right birthplace. You need to be mindful of your due date and the correct way to calculate it and not really be willing to change it outside of the 
area that we gave you. And then you definitely need to avoid an unnecessary induction. We hope that you've enjoyed these two episodes that go over all things cesarean. Definitely make sure to um, tag us on My Essential Birth at My Essential Birth when you guys are listening to the podcast. And certainly send us a DM if you have any questions. Um, Again, the whole point of this is that we want you to be prepared so that if a cesarean does become necessary, you know that it was just that. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.